Well, grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank God for this opportunity and this moment that the Lord has given us to share in his presence and in his power. Right before we get started, if you're watching us live, if you're here with me today, let's just take about 30 seconds and worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. You are great and greatly to be praised. We honor your name. We thank you for being a very present help in the time of trouble. You always come through. You always make ways and you always provide. Hallelujah. We thank God. We are so grateful for just another day. We're thankful for just another opportunity, another moment to worship and give the Lord praise and thank him. With grace and peace be unto you from God, our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are most certainly grateful and glad that God has given us another day. Another day that we've never seen before and when it's gone, we will never see it again. He has graced us with travel and mercies and allowed us to move and function and share and do all of the things that we can only do through God's goodness, his mercy and his grace. It is most certainly an honor to be here again another Monday night for word and worship. This, of course, is the Lighthouse Church Charlotte, where we shed love uh, shed love, sorry, shed light, show love and spread the word. I wrote the thing and I still get tripped up by it every time I get ready to say it. So we are so grateful for you being a part. My wife is normally up here doing this, but I'm up here today. So y'all gonna have to get all these good looks the entire time that we're on the microphone and uh, God is going to be glorified in and through it. So grateful, so grateful for all of you um, that have been tuning in live with us every Monday night. And as always, my prayer and my desire, my ask for you is that you would please, please hit the like and the share button. If you are watching live, please hit the like and the share button um, from wherever you are. Just please share it. I'm sharing it now on my screen. If you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching, of course, on Facebook, please hit the like and the share button. So those that are in your network would have the opportunity to worship and fellowship with us tonight. I really, really believe that there is a word from the Lord that I want to share with all of you um, while I was preparing. And I was just telling my brother, I really wanted to do something different. But the Lord gave me a word. So here I am uh, just following the instructions of God as we are doing it. Please hit that like and that share button. Um, I want to thank God tonight for my wife. In her absence, she is on her way, but she didn't get here yet. We uh, were on vacation last week, so both of us had to work today, but we made it. We made it through the week. We made it through the time, and God has been tremendously kind to us. Um, I want to take a moment to thank all of you for your support uh, on the service we did yesterday in Columbia, South Carolina, those that tuned in, and of course, those that went with us uh, to worship the Lord in South Carolina yesterday, we had a phenomenal time of fellowship and in the word and God met us and we are grateful for that experience and opportunity. And I believe for the Lighthouse Church, for this ministry, that the best is still yet to come, that God is still going to release to us and deliver to us everything that we need and for that we are absolutely grateful. So give yourself a hand as you have been tremendously supportive uh, throughout these last 12, 13 weeks or however long that we have been fellowshipping together on Monday nights. And I really do believe that whatever God has in store for us is going to be bigger. It's going to be greater uh, and it's going to be something like we've never seen before. Um, at this time, in this moment, I want to ask you to partner with us tonight and by, by ways of giving. And we're going to do this offering really quickly. And we're going to get right into the word of God. I want you to partner with us by way of giving. There have has been so many people, so many people, which I am extremely grateful for, that have sown, um, that have tithed to the ministry, that have been consistent in giving. And we are grateful for it. I never ask for a specific amount uh, unless I am led to. And I don't beg. I'm not going to trick and trap or offer any prophecies or anything like that as it relates to giving. But tonight I want to challenge those that are watching us live to support and help us financially to partner with us tonight. Um, I. We need to raise a thousand dollars tonight, right? Uh, I would love to raise two thousand dollars, but I believe the need is at a thousand. 
And so what I'm going to challenge is all of those that are watching us live. I know there's quite a few of us and that have shared it already. And for that, I am extremely grateful. If you would stand and partner with me, I'll be one. So I need nine more that will sow a hundred dollar seed tonight that will help us to reach our goal before we end service tonight. I do believe that what we need uh, is available to us. And if you don't ask, you won't receive. So I'm not going to beg and I'm going to pro- Again, I don't got no prophecy for you. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get a house or a car or a boo or a bathing. I ain't got none of that for you. But I will tell you is that whenever we give, God gives back to us. He said he loves a cheerful giver. He'll give it to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He will cause men to give to our bosom. The Bible also said that he gives seed to the sower. And if you don't have it, then, of course, this is not referring to you. You can do the best that you absolutely can. But those that can partner with me tonight and so a $100 seed, we will be extremely grateful for your support and for your participation. What I've learned in this season of pastoring and leading is that it takes money to do ministry. It takes people. It takes resources to be able to complete uh, every assignment, every task that you want to get done. And if you want to produce ministry in the most excellent way, you need resources to do so. So I can't come to the hotel and say, God going to do it. Hello. I can't go to the light people, the phone people, the internet people and just put my hand on it or spray a little oil on the bill. It got to be paid. Even in your own home, you have to make sure that you handle your responsibilities so that no one lacks. So the ways to give are simple. We have Givelify. If you go to Givelify, it's the Lighthouse Church, Charlotte, INC. You can go to Cash App at dollar sign Lighthouse CLT. And if you prefer to use Zelle, it is also the Lighthouse Church, Charlotte, INC. You can also go, of course, to the website at the Lighthouse clt.com and all of the given options are there you can hit the donate tab and all of those options will point out uh will pick up there for you thank you thank you thank you so much in advance for your liberal giving i don't even feel the need or the push to beg because i believe you are going to hear what i'm saying and you want to feel compelled to sow and partner with us again i'm one i need nine more that will agree to do so if you are giving tonight If you're giving tonight, you can definitely put it in the chat and said, I'm standing with you. I'm sewing with you. That way we know how many participants we have that are going to help us to meet this goal tonight, that we can further ministry and do what God has called and instructed us to do in Jesus name. While you are giving, you can absolutely get to your Bibles and turn to Second Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, We're going to start at verse seven and then also Second Samuel uh, chapter 7 and I'll read the first 17 verses in your hearing there 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 and I'm going to read verses 7 through 10 let us look to the Lord in prayer father we thank you and we praise you for this time that we have to share tonight in your word we thank you for the gift of faith we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus We thank you, Lord, that you saved us, you provided for us, you've protected us, and you've given us everything we need and more. You've been better than good to us. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Lord. Father, forgive us of our sins, for there are many things that we've said or done, things that we've been unconscious about. But you've protected us, and your grace has been sufficient. So now, Father, as we stand in this place to minister, to listen, and to receive what you have, we pray, oh God, that you would give us the ability to receive, to perceive and understand what you want us to hear tonight. And before we leave this place, oh God, allow us to have a revelation of your plan and your purpose beyond what we already know. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Shout out to my brother, Maurice D. Kimball. He was such a blessing. I nominated him. I don't know if you can nominate people in church, but I anointed him. I probably can't do that either. Yesterday, I appointed you as the adjutant general (laughs) of the Lighthouse Church of Charlotte. I have served with this young man for a very long time now, and he's always operated in the spirit of excellence. I want to say privately and publicly, thank you. Thank you for always being who you are. Um, You need people in ministry. You need people that you can trust and people that are quality servants of the Lord who do it and do it with a pure heart and for that I'm grateful uh, for your support and uh, attention to detail to say the least let's let's look at um, 2nd Corinthians chapter number 12 
Uh, and we're going to start at verse number seven. I'm going to read this particular passage from the New King James Version. And then the other passage uh, that we'll read, I'm going to read from the Message Bible just to give us two different uh, flows of conversation. And then I'll try to bring it in and make it all make sense. Uh, verse number seven of chapter 12 in Second Corinthians says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for your, he says, my, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power and the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Now. Let's also look again at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to the Old Testament, uh, and we're going to camp out here for a little while. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and again, I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. So those of you that have your electronic uh, devices, you can switch over to there. Those that are looking at a physical Bible, just read along with me. Second uh, Samuel chapter seven, starting at first one, it reads before long, the king made himself at home. And God gave him peace from all of his enemies. Then one day, King David said to Nathan, the prophet, look at this. Here I am comfortable in luxurious in a luxurious house of cedar and the chest of God sits in a plain tent. Nathan told the king, whatever's on your heart, go and do it. God is with you. But that night, the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is God's word on this matter. You're going to build a house for me to live in. Why? I haven't lived in a house from the time I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to now. All that time I've moved about without nothing but a tent. And in all my travels with Israel, did I ever say to any of the leaders I command to shepherd Israel? Why haven't you built me a house of cedar? So here is what you are to tell servant David. The, the God of the angel armies has this word for you. I took you from the pasture, tagged along, tagging along after sheep and made you prince over the people of Israel. I was with you everywhere you went and mowed your enemies down for you. Now I'm making you famous to be ranked with the great with the great names on the earth. And I'm going to set aside a place for my people, Israel, and plant them there so they're so that they'll have their own homes and not knocked around anymore. Nor will evil men afflict you as they always have. Even during the days I set judges over my people, Israel, finally, I'm going to give you peace from all of your enemies. Furthermore, God has this message for you. God himself will build you a house. David is wanting to build God a house and God says, I'm going to build you a house. And when your life is complete and you're buried with your ancestors, then I'll raise up your child and your own flesh and blood to succeed you. And I'll firmly establish his rule. He will build a house to honor me. And I will guarantee his kingdom's rule permanently. I'll be a father to him and he'll be a son to me. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls and obstacles that his, uh, of his mortal life. But I'll never remove my gracious love from him as I removed it from Saul who preceded you whom I most certainly did remove your family and your kingdom are 
permanently secured. I'm keeping my eye on them. And your royal throne will always be there, rock solid. Nathan gave David a complete and accurate account for everything he heard and saw in the vision. The word of the Lord is already blessed. I know I read a lot, and we will go back and dissect that because there's a very specific point in that particular passage in which I want to stake my claim here tonight. Uh, tonight we are extending or doing the third portion of the conversation that we started entitled Miraculous Provision. Miraculous provision. But tonight I want to put a tag on this miraculous provision and we're going to add a subtopic to it, uh, which is entitled when God says no. I'm going to put it in the chat if you're watching us live and say when God says no. Now, I know that sounds a little strange because how we talk about provision, but then we're talking about a no. This two letter word is often associated with a negative connotation. It is, it's associated with rejection and denial. Most people, if not all people, hate to hear the word no. It's difficult to hear it, and it's even harder to say it. Uh, we don't like the word no. We are of a generation that wants yeses all the time. And if you've had any experience like I've had, you're scared of the word no. It brings nightmares and unearths memories of experiences of how previous no's made you feel. Most of us hate no so much, Mo, that we stay away from anything that would possibly result in a no. As a result, we don't take risks. We don't venture out into the unknown or explore beyond what's comfortable. We stay in stagnation because it's familiar and it's comfortable. Where we can control the guesses, we minimize the sting of a potential no. When I was younger, before I was married, of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't approach girls that I liked out of fear of being rejected. I, I know for a fact, and I, I lacked the confidence to express how I felt. I'd compare myself to the boys in my class or in my grade, and I would watch the girls gravitate to, uh, to them instead of uh, gravitate to, and instead of morphing into that, I stayed distance, st stayed distant until, hey sister, until they decided what was better for them might have been over here. I didn't break that mode uh, if movement really. I didn't make that move really until I met my wife. You know, that was one of the first times that I saw a girl and I said, I'm going to go ahead on and talk to her. And it actually worked. You know, uh, she was the first one that I was straightforward about with my intentions. And at that point, I lost all fear of the possibility of a no, because my mindset was if I don't say it now, I may not ever get the chance or the opportunity. It's interesting because my fear and reluctance didn't come from a series of no's. It was just a feeling of inadequacy. Obviously, my change of heart worked in my favor, but it taught me a lesson. If you stop being afraid of a no, perhaps you'll run into a yes. A yes that can potentially change your life and change it forever. It made me go back and think, what other opportunities have I passed up on out of fear of a no? What damages could a no uh, could a no actually cause and how long would it have lasted anyway? It made me ask myself, could you have survived the no and been able to move on? Or would you have wallowed in the pool of what appeared to be rejection? The Lord told me we have to be delivered from what we think no really is. It is not rejection. He says it is for the purpose of redirection. He says, I've ordained a no for your benefit. Please hear me tonight because I'm going to get through this as quickly as I possibly can. He said, if I've ordained a no, if I, have you, if, if I gave you everything you wanted, you'd never appreciate what was actually for you. 
That's what the Lord told me. He said, you squander time and opportunity knowing that you could just ask and get something and get whatever you want. He says, I've ordained to create a level of discipline and develop a place of maturity in you to grow you up to a place to grow you to a place of patience and endurance. He says the no has a purpose in our lives and it serves whether we want it to or not. God said to me, I have to say no sometimes because I can see further than you can. He says, sometimes I got to tell you no, because I can see further than you can. He says, sometimes I have to make sure that that you understand who's in co complete control. He says, it can be different. It can be difficult for you to accept the no, but it shouldn't be impossible. He says, I'm not just a God of your present, but I am the God of your future. If I say yes to everything now, it can affect the generations to come in a negative way. And because I've already set things in motion for what is to come, I can't allow your ambition or human desire to override what I've spoken before the foundations of the earth. Is that making sense? God says, I have ordained the no in your life to set you on a path that I have established for you. His no has a greater purpose than what we can see right now. And the fact that God tells us no in love further proves my point that his yes, that his no is really yes with protection. Let me say it again. The fact that God can say no to us in love proves the point that his no is really yes in protection with protection. God's no operates as, and this is what I heard when I was on my way here tonight. God's no operates as a shield and creates a barrier between you and bad decisions. Lord help us. Now consider that all the decisions may not be bad. Every decision we make may not be bad, but perhaps the timing is off and the season for your yes has not yet come was really thinking about this heavy when I was preparing for this because I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say about this? Because we have been in the season where we've been talking about the miraculous. We have been expecting God to say yes to us. We have been looking for God to show up and produce for us the very thing we need to get from one point in our lives to the next. We have been expecting a yes, but we keep getting no's. And so the Lord sent me on assignment to encourage those that would be in this room and those that are watching us live and let you know that some of these no's have been assigned and anointed by God. Some of us are discouraged in our spirit because we've gotten more no's than what we think we deserve. We've been denied over and over again. We've been applying and trying to get certain things accomplished and we want to do stuff. We've been applying for jobs, for places of residency. Some of us are looking for new transportation. Some of us just need a credit card. And for whatever reason, you keep getting the word no. And the Lord told me to tell you tonight that the no has been anointed by me because some of the stuff that we are running to because it said, yes, we answered prematurely. Every open door is not your door. Hallelujah. Every opportunity is not your opportunity. Every time somebody tries to get you something or give you something, it may not be the best for you. But if we took everything that somebody put in our hands, the Lord said it will put us into a further deficit of time and resources because you end up biting off more than you can chew. What if you said yes to the place? What if you said yes to the car? What if you said yes to the relationship, but the relationship really wasn't for you right now? Because the person that you said yes to was not prepared to be in the type of relationship that you needed. Some of us have to accept the fact that God has anointed the no in your life. Come on. We, we, we talk more about starting to say no. Then, then this is where we're going to try to make sure we understand the difference. And then we'll get into these two particular scripture texts and then we're getting out of here. We have perfected or we have talked a lot about changing our dialogue. And instead of saying yes all the time, we need to say no. I got to practice saying no. I got to say no. I got to take care of me. I got to protect my peace. I got to make sure I'm doing this. I got to do that and the other. I'm not going to say yes to everybody. I'm not going to everybody's service. I'm not going to everybody's cookout. I'm not coming to your aid every time you need me. I'm saying no. I'm saying no. But we have not developed in the area of being able to accept a no. Yeah. 
We're okay with telling people no now. But we have not developed in the area of being able to accept a no. How many of us, how many of us have heard a no over and over again? And every time we hear no, we have another temper tantrum. We get upset with everything around us. We get angry with God and we start going back to God about what we've done. Lord, I've paid my tithes. Lord, I've given in the offering. I've served effectively. I got there early and I stayed late. I've been nice to my neighbors, even though they nasty to me. I pray for my enemies that despitefully use me. And we go to God and we're trying to ask God, how is it possible that I seem to be living right and doing right and doing as much as I can, but I keep running into dead ends. And the Lord told me to tell you tonight, if you would be willing to listen and accept this prophetic word, I've anointed to know. I've anointed the know for your benefit. I've anointed the know to make sure that I can direct you where I want to direct you. He said this no has been anointed to protect you. It's been anointed to shield you. It's been anointed to make sure that you can get what I'm trying to get to you. Because if I keep telling you, yes, you won't appreciate everything that I have in store for you. Because some of what you want, you want too early. Some of what you're asking for, you're asking for it out of season. Some of what you've been praying for, you've been looking for it, but you're not prepared for it. And it's not prepared for you so for now the answer is no he said the answer is no I struggled with this Mo I struggled with this I struggled with this a lot because I'm like Lord I know a lot of people that's been getting no for a long time I know a lot of people that's been waiting for a long time and they've been praying and praising and faith in it and looking for deliverance and looking for a way out and it doesn't seem like there's a way out in sight God why would you tell me to tell these people that I'm anointing them for no that I've anointed the no in their life that I am the one that's blocking the blessing that they've been praying for I am the one that's been trying to keep them from getting certain things why would you want me to tell him that and he said to me something so clear and it made so much more sense he said if I gave them everything they wanted if I opened up every door that they asked me to open up if I blessed them with everything that they asked me to bless them with they would squander it they would mishandle it because there's a certain level of maturity that we have to develop in order to maintain what we've been asking God to deliver to us. He took me to these two scriptures and to further prove my point of when God says no, it's with the purpose of protecting, preserving, and also creating a level of humility in us that we never think that we should be bigger or better than God. So when you go to that text, uh, second, second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven through 10 that we read, and I'm gonna pull it up just to make sure I can rightly divide the word, amen. And I wanna preach any of this out of context because I want you to get what the Lord is trying to say. We see this, uh, this conversation here that Paul is having with the church of Corinth, chapter 12. And the Bible says that this particular section deals with the thorn in his flesh. The Bible says, Paul says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. And here's what Paul is saying to us. He's saying, I got this thorn in my flesh that is a constant reminder that I need God. Lord, help me here. He says, I got this thorn in my flesh as mighty as I am. That is a constant reminder for me not to lose my humility, not to get puffed up or big headed or arrogant in my role and position. You got to think about it now. It's easy for Paul to have moved and functioned in a level of arrogance because he was no small person in the kingdom. And even before he became Paul, we know that he was Saul. Okay. So he was an educator. He was a philosopher. He was wealthy. He had all of these qualities and characteristics 
that he functioned with. He was well known and well respected throughout the world for being who he was, which is why it was such a big deal that he took this responsibility that he thought he needed to kill and persecute every Christian. So he was already important and big on this side as Saul. He has this experience on the road to Damascus on the backside of a beast and he is blinded, knocked off, knocked off of this beast and he is blinded and he is converted from this murderer to this to this persecutor of the Jews to this apostle to this preacher to this teacher to this prophet so now over here Paul is starting churches he is pastoring he is an apostolic teacher and he has churches all over the world some that he's had the opportunity to visit other times he's writing letters to them in prison he's a big deal that's my point Paul is a big deal and any of this could have easily made him arrogant it could have easily caused him to be puffed up it could have easily caused him to think that he was bigger and better and better than the God that he was preaching and teaching about but Paul says I have a thorn in my flesh that's functioning as a buffeting agent that's keeping me from exalting myself above measure. And the Bible says that he went to God three times, three times, three times. Paul prayed and said, remove this from me. We don't know what the thorn was. We have no idea what Paul had to deal with. Some have their suspicions about it and others are still unclear. We don't know, but we know the thorns that are in our flesh. We know the issues that we have that we can't break. We know the habits that we deal with that are too much for us to handle. We know the issues that we face on a daily basis that bring us to our knees, that keeps us in the face of God, that keeps us in his presence, that keeps us praying and keeps us sowing and keeping, keeps us giving. So the Bible shows us in this particular text that the no that God gave Paul three times was for the purpose of making sure that the relationship between him and God remained secure. I don't know who I'm here to preach to or talk to tonight, but the Lord told me to tell you your no is supposed to secure the relationship between you and God. The Bible here shows me here in this text, and this is what the Lord has been revealing to me. When God tells you no, it's because he wants to make sure that you don't take what he gives you and run to somebody else. Because some of us are guilty of getting what God has for us and never going back to God again. That's why, that's why your car don't work now. Sorry, I got to tell you the truth. That's why some of y'all are in the mess that we are in right now. Because we got what we prayed for and never went back to God to say thank you. You know what's in the scripture when Jesus heals those 10 lepers and the Bible says he tells them to go and show themselves to the priest but the Bible says one turned around to him to say thank you and that one he said you have been made whole this young man understood that Jesus was not just a prophet not just a preacher but he was the high priest so the Bible says he goes back to him and he's made whole you can get more when you go back to God and tell him thank you for what you've done that's why some of us can't get a yes in this season because we messed up the last one yeah. Wow. We mishandled the last yes. So Paul tells us in this particular text in Corinthians, he is talking to us in the church in Corinth, and he says, I have this thorn in my flesh as a buffeting agent that I might not exalt myself above measure concerning this thing I pled with the Lord three times and three times he told me no he says but the word of the Lord said to him my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in your weakness and here's what God is telling us in this particular verse and then we're going to get to the next passage of scripture he's telling you I need you to accept the no so that you can remain in a place of humility so that I can prove to you in your weakness that I am your strength Come on. God says, I need you to accept the anointing of a no so that you would understand that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You got to be weak in order to experience the strength of God. You got to go through a down moment in order for God to do what he needs to do to lift you and pick you up. 
You have to be sick in order to know him as a healer. You have to be bound in order to know him as a deliverer. You have to go through something so God can prove to you who he really is. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, even though you have the stone in your flesh, even though something is pulling and tugging at you, trying to get you out of my presence, trying to get you to lose connection with me. He says, my grace is sufficient. That means every single day that you wake up with this stone in your flesh, you can rest assured that goodness and mercy is going to be with you and that the grace of God that covered you yesterday is going to cover you today. I feel the presence of God in this room. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I need you to trust me that this thorn is not going to kill you. I need you to trust me that this no has been working for your good. I need you to trust me that every time I said no to you, I was protecting you from yourself. I need you to understand that this no that I placed in front of you was not to make you angry, not to make you upset, not to make you lose your cool, but it was to redirect you to trust me with whatever is coming next. Even with the thorn and even with the no, you're still anointed. Even with the thorn, even with the no, you still have my love and my grace and you still have my power. He says, I don't want you to overlook the fact that I'm still God, even though I said no. Because a no does not mean no forever. It could just be no right now. Maybe I'm trying to get you to something. Maybe I'm trying to prepare you for something. Maybe I'm trying to open up an opportunity for you that you won't get if I tell you yes right now. Yeah, so yeah. Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I'd rather boast in my infirmities. Hallelujah. He says, I'd rather go through knowing that every time I'm weak, the strength of God is going to hold me up. I'd rather boast in my infirmities and the power of Christ that rests upon me. He says, therefore, now I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches in needs and in persecutions in distress for Christ's sake. For whenever I'm weak, God is strong. Lord, if I don't get to the next text, I wish I had somebody watching this live, somebody that can praise God. Because Paul is telling us in the worst of situations, God's strength is being made perfect. He proven to us that you don't have to fight in your own strength you don't have to go through in your own strength because I am the God that's going to make sure he says the grace of Jesus he says the power of Christ is resting upon me that even though I'm going through hell right now even though the struggle is more than I can bear on my own he says my grace is sufficient for thee thank you Jesus I want to take about five seconds here and give you the opportunity opportunity to lift your hands in the chat and open your mouth in the house and wherever you are and give God praise because he's making his strength it's being made perfect in your weakness come on you don't have to boast about what's going on wrong but if you go through anything, if you deal with any challenge, if you deal with any trial, if you deal with any issue that you have to face, you should be able to give God glory. You should be able to give God praise because you understand this one thing that all things are working together to yeah. them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You should be able to give God glory because you know the worst of situations is still working for your benefit. That every know that you have to deal with every stumbling block every issue every mountain you have to climb every barrier you have to roll through God is using it to work for your good tell somebody God has anointed this no he's anointed it he's anointed to know and then we get to second Samuel here where we are reading this particular text uh, that I read to you earlier in the message version second Samuel chapter 7 I'm almost through I got a few more minutes is this all right? Are we good? All right. All right. Second Samuel here, and I read it to you from the Message Bible. We see this narrative, okay? And I want to make this make sense because now we're talking about, we dealt with, we're dealing with two different things here. 
Okay. And the first thing that we're dealing with is the no protecting us from ourselves, right? Protecting us for ourselves to keep us humble, to keep us in God's face, to yeah. keep us in his presence, to make sure that we respect the no, we respect the anointing of the no, and we won't allow the no to discourage us. So we accept the no, we expect the no, and we respect it. So we deal with it in that regard. But this particular no that we are getting ready to deal with is not specifically for us, but it is for the security of the generation to come. Lord, help me here tonight. Uh, when the Lord gave me this revelation, I was like, okay, this is, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. He says, I want you to let the people know that this particular note that we're getting ready to discuss and look at is for the preservation of your family, for your offspring. Yes, yes. It is for the purpose of creating generational wealth. We tapped into this last week. We talked about starting businesses and doing a few other things. He says, but this no is for this purpose. So we see here in the text in this first 17 verses of this particular text, we see uh, David is in a good place. He is a king. He is resting now. The Bible says that now he can rejoice in the fact that God has given him ease from his enemies. Nobody's fighting him. Nobody's chasing him. Nobody's trying to kill him. He's not going into battles and wars. He's at a place that he can pretty much retire. He's chilling. David is in a really good place. And the Bible says that David says, he says, look at me. I'm living in this nice house made out of cedar and the presence of God is sitting in a plain tent I got this tent out here with the ark of the covenant and he sells Nathan he says Nathan I feel like what I should do is build a house for the presence of God and Nathan is a good servant he's a good man of God he's a good assistant he's like listen whatever you do the presence of the Lord is with you do whatever is in your heart so the Bible says that later that night God does not go to David he goes to Nathan and he says to Nathan I want you to tell the king these words he says tell him all this time I've been with him, I've been in the tent. From the beginning of the time that I brought Israel in as my own people and I've traveled and I've been everywhere with them, I've been in the tent. I've never been in the house. And as a matter of fact, I've never asked anyone to build me a house. He says, I've been with Israel. I've killed all of David's enemies for him. I've protected them from all of the issues that they had from coming from being in captivity in Egypt to now being in the promised land. And as a matter of fact, I have more stuff in store for them. I got a lot of things that I want to get to them that I'm going to get to them. He says all of this time and I ain't never asked. He said I never went to the leaders of the Israelites and said to them that I need to shepherd the Israelites and I need to shepherd my people build me a house. He says I never asked. So I don't understand the urgency of trying to build a house for me now that I don't need. The Bible says that he tells David no. I don't want you to build me a house. He says, I don't want you to build me a house and I don't need you. He tells David, no, David is in good spirits. He has a really good idea, but the timing is wrong. Lord, help me. He's doing something that is honorable and something that is notable, something that can be remembered because he will be the first and only king to build a house for the presence of God. And God tells him no. Can you imagine God telling you no when you're trying to do right? Can you imagine God telling you no when you're trying to do everything that you can? Can you imagine being told no by God when you're trying to do something for him? Come on. Can you imagine being told no by God when you're trying to edify the kingdom, when you're trying to build something and God tells David no? He says no. I don't want him to build me a house. He says, Nathan, as a matter of fact, I want you to go back to him and I want you to tell him I'm going to build him a house. Lord, have mercy here. What happens when the no from God sends you a blessing? When God tells you no because he's trying to get something to you versus you give something to him. This is a season I believe that if we respect the no, that if we pay attention to the no, that God is going to give us the desires of our heart without us having to ask for it. He's going to project what you're trying to give to him and give it to you. 
because we have a desire. And this is why it's so important to give. This is why it's so important to sow. This is why it's been so important for us to follow the laws of reciprocity because the Bible is right. And it makes it very clear when we understand that the more we give, the more we give back. And we use this in the sense of offering and we try to get people to understand the importance of giving and the benefits of giving. But in this case, this is exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at David trying to sow up and God is trying to pour down. Hallelujah. We see David trying to give and trying to do something to show God appreciation for this season of peace that he's in and God tells him no. He tells him no, not because it's not a good idea. He tells him no, not because he doesn't want a house for his presence to dwell in. He tells him no, not because he's angry with David or he's upset with David, but he tells David, he says, I'm going to tell you no, because this is not your assignment. The assignment to build me a house is the assignment of your son Solomon. I'm going to tell you no, because if I allow you to go through with this, what should happen in the next generation would never take place. If I let you build me a house, the responsibility that I need to give to Solomon so that he can know what it feels like to build a house of God and perfect the kingdom, he won't have the opportunity to do so. Some of our no's is because what we're trying to do, God wants our children to produce with their own hands. Some of the no's that God is giving us is because God wants to make sure that in the next season of our lives, our offspring can carry out the presence and the power of God in a way that we didn't have the ability to. Some people that read the Bible used to get really upset and angry with God. I've talked to people that were either theologians or just Bible readers when they looked at the narrative of the wilderness experience coming out of Egypt and then going into the promised land. And so they said to me one time, I remember having a conversation with God. And he said, how cruel could God be to let Moses get that far and not see the promise? How angry could God have been and how messed up he should have been to let uh, uh, Moses go through all of that and bring them out of uh, Egypt with the 10 plagues and coming through the Red Sea to die in the wilderness and never see the promise. And I said to him, based off of the scriptures, his assignment was to deliver a people and lead them to the promised land never to go in it the responsibility at that point was based off of Joshua yeah. hallelujah and he would have never established Joshua at that point if it wasn't for him to take the people to where they needed to be we have to understand our roles and responsibilities and the placement and the timing of God the no is not because God has an issue with you but the no in this particular text has to deal with the fact that the next generation is supposed to do it. Look at what God says to him. He says, Nathan, let him know that he don't have to build me a house. I'm going to build him a house. And when he is in the grave and resting with his ancestors, I'm going to raise up his son who's going to build me a house. I'm going to raise up his son. And he says, I'm going to be his father and he's going to be my son. God says, I'm telling you no, because the, the yes that I need to give to your children is going to bring them into right fellowship and relationship with me. Lord, I wish I had a parent in here on this live that's excited about the relationship with God being secure for your children because God told you no. Yes, Lord. He says, I'm going to be his father and he's going to be my son. He says, I'm going to secure everything he touches. I'm going to bless him. Look at the text. Look at it, please. Please, let me, let me just read this. Nathan gives a complete account. Okay, here we go. Let me, let me start here at verse 11. He says, furthermore, and this is the message translation. He says, furthermore, God has this message for you. God himself will build you a house. He says, and when your life is complete and when you've been buried with your ancestors, he says, I'm going to raise up your child, your own flesh and blood to succeed you. Look at this. And he says, I will firmly establish his rule. He will build a house to honor me and I will guarantee his kingdom, kingdom's rule permanently. Look at what God is saying to us in this text. He says, when you're dead and gone, I'm going to secure a future for him. 
that everybody that comes after him will be secure. He says, I'm going to secure his rule permanently. He's not going to lead his king temporarily, but he's going to lead permanently. He's going to have favor with me for the rest of his life. And everything he touches is going to prosper. Everything he's connected to is going to prosper. I'm telling you no, because I'm trying to give your offspring more than what I could have given you. I'm telling you no, because I'm trying to secure something for the people in your bloodline. That's more than I could have ever given you. When your time has expired, I'm I'm getting ready to make sure that they never run out of my blessing, that they never run out of my grace, that they never run out of my favor. He says, I'm establishing something in the word that's coming with a guarantee that his kingdoms will rule permanently. He says, I'll be a father to him and he'll be a son to me. And when he does wrong, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls, the obstacles of this mortal life. He says, but I'll never come on. This is what I love. He says, I'll never remove my gracious love for him. And like I removed it from Saul, he said, he's going to mess up. He's going to fall and they're going to lie. They're going to lie. They're going to smoke. They're going to drink. They're going to have premarital sex. They're going to do stuff that you never really wanted them to do but I will never remove my gracious love for them we ought to be shouting right now because the know that God is giving us today is preserving the relationship between God and your children he says this is what I'm doing I rejected Saul I removed Saul that preceded you he says but your family and your kingdom are permanently secured all you wanted to do was build me a house, and I'm telling you no. And I'm telling you no because I have a plan. That's why I told you earlier in this, God says, I'm anointing the no on your life because I can see further than you can. You, you, when we say eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what God shall do. It's because we can't see or perceive yet the full story, the full plan that God is trying to produce. But he says, I can. So even though it's nice that you want to build me a house, David, I don't want you to do that. Because the work that goes into building the house needs to come from Solomon. It needs to come from your offspring. So that I can do for his children what I'm promising you I'm going to do for him. God said, the know that you are receiving now, and I'm almost through, is getting ready to produce generational protection it's with the purpose of securing a relationship between them and God making sure that your grandchildren have a relationship with them making sure and if we pay attention to the way the world is going right now and everything that's happening through social media with everything that's happening in our communities what's happening in the political arena the systems are trying to pull us out of connection and relationship with God. And before you know it, if you have, just think about it, just visualize this. If your children or your grandchildren, depending on who's watching, don't know God and don't have a relationship with God and don't have any recollection of who he really is, then they haven't had the opportunity to learn and get it passed down to you. When they have children, what are they teaching them? When they have grandchildren, what are they teaching them? We are living in a culture, and this is what the Lord is saying to me, we are in a season where they are trying to erase the very image of who God is but this text tells us that the nose that we are getting from God right now is going to secure a relationship that whether we are there to tell them who God is something in them will connect with the presence and the power of God and when they would do bad and when everything is going against them something in them will convict them and tell them I got to live right because I don't want to live wrong I prophesy and speak to every person listening to me today that God is going to save and preserve your children. I don't care who's after them. I don't care what connections they have. I don't care what they think is okay. I don't care what they're cool with. I don't care what they feel like is not a big deal or a big idea. It, if it has the power to pull them out of God's presence, the Holy Ghost told me to tell you he's going to protect them. He's going to preserve them. He's telling us know right now with a lot of different things because he's trying to get them to do it later he said this is what I want you to tell him he says in this last particular section here and we're getting ready to pray 
He says, and your royal throne will always be there rock solid. He says, tell David that I'm keeping my eye on his children. I'm watching them. I'm protecting them. I got to tell you no. Because I want them to get to know me. Some of the struggles that we're having. Some of the issues that we have to face. It's not because God is trying to punish us. or He's angry with us or upset with us. But we are going through a process that is supposed to build where we're going. God said, respect the no. Honor the no. Love me enough to trust that if I said no, I said no for a reason. The portion of this that I want to discuss, and while I'm calling it a miraculous provision, is because you've got to think about what would happen if he said yes. What would Paul have ended up being if he removed the thorn? Would we revere him and respect him to be the apostle, the teacher, the preacher that he is? Would we follow the teachings of Paul? Would we, furthermore, still be able to respect what he taught and believe in the Jesus that he taught about if he became someone else? What if David did build the temple, build this house for the Ark of the Covenant prematurely? What responsibility would Solomon have had? Because we know that an idle mind is a devil's playground. Building a house is not an easy task. But the work that he had to put into it, the planning and the hearing from God and the obedience that it took place to be able to do that kept him in a place of humility, kept him in contact and communication with God. What would have happened if they got the yeses that they wanted to have? The provision, the miraculous provision in which I see in these two texts as God is revealing it to me is the miracle of remaining in connection with God. It's the miracle of keeping a secure relationship with the God that can. It's the miracle of not being pulled away by distractions and systems and issues that are outside of your scope. The Lord told me to tell you while we are getting ready to pray and close tonight, he told me to tell you your no has been anointed to protect you. Your no has been anointed for your good. Don't get angry anymore when you try to get something and it don't work. I, I can understand the disappointment. I have been denied for things more times than I could count. Sometimes I fill it out and I tell myself, I don't know why I'm doing this because I know they're going to say no. There ain't nowhere in the world with me owing what I owe to anybody, American Express is going to give me a credit card. But I apply for it anyway just in case it slipped through the cracks. And I'm like, here go another no. Let me just delete the email now so I ain't got to keep looking at it. We live in this expectation of no and we use it as a, in a negative connotation. We use it to say, here we go. They know I'm black. They know I'm short. They know I ain't got no money. They ain't going to give me nothing. And that may be your story. That may be your truth. That may be a fact. But the truth is that no is preventing you from getting further in debt. Because the Lord knows that where you are financially, if he gave you a car without a limit, you would still max it out. Lord, help me. He knows that if he gave some of us a house, we wouldn't keep it clean. He knows that if he gave some of us a new car, we'll run them brakes into the ground and have to buy tires every week. Because we don't know how to handle a little Honda, let alone try to handle a Bentley or something else. We know God knows that there are certain things that we just cannot handle right now. You give some people too much too soon in their squander. We've seen it in all of those uh, uh, shows and reality TV shows uh, when they talk about the artists and the R&B artists and singers and rappers and 
became child prodigies and they made all this money as youth and young adults and they squandered it because they got so much so soon. Now they turn to drugs and alcohol and other issues and things like that and they lose it because they went from nothing to too much. The athletes, they go from living in the projects to having a hundred million dollars in the bank for playing football or basketball and they got the wrong people with them and they lose it because they get too much too soon. Some yeses are not good yeses. And every no is not a bad no. So once we understand that concept, once we digest that idea, then we will be able to accept. God bless. I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us tonight. Let's, let's just take a moment to meditate uh, and, and to worship God really quickly. We're not going to be here much longer. Hallelujah. I didn't intend to be long tonight, but I believe the Lord spoke to us directly. I believe the Lord spoke to us and gave us exactly what we needed to hear. The Lord wanted me to make sure that tonight before we left, we could have a different perspective of, of being denied, of what a no is. That we can look at it in a completely different way. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that God said no to that relationship. It's a miracle that God said no to that job. It's a miracle that God said no to that move. It's a miracle because somebody would have been in deep trouble. Somebody would have been in a mess had God said yes to that last situation. Some of us right now. Now, God helped us dodge a bullet when he told us no. Glory to God. Some of us, some of us, I, I feel prophetically right now, somebody was in the car getting ready to go meet up with somebody and ran out of gas. God said no. And if you had got there, you probably would have more kids than what you can afford. Y'all ain't talking to me in here tonight. God has anointed the no. He's anointed it. You were headed to fight and couldn't find where they were. When you got there, they were gone. You would have been in jail had you put your hands on that boy or that girl. God says, I've anointed the no. I've anointed it for your protection. I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. I'm trying to keep you in my face. I'm trying to keep you humble. I'm trying to make sure that you respect the place that I put you in. So that you don't lose the opportunity that I have coming for you later. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name tonight, we thank you. We thank you for every door that you open. But tonight, God, we thank you for every door that you closed. We thank you for opportunities that we wanted, but you didn't allow. We thank you for redirecting us for your purpose and for your plan. We thank you for making sure that in this season we can hear you clearly. We can respect what you say. We glory in your presence and we give you the honor that we need. Father, you are great and greatly to be praised and we honor your sweet name. Father, I pray for every person watching this live, every person that's connected to us in ministry, to the Lighthouse Church, Charlotte. I pray that you would bless them exceedingly and abundantly above all that they could ask or think. Father, whatever they need amongst us, oh God, I pray that you would listen to them, that you would meet them at the point of their need, that you would provide for them exactly what they need. I come praying specifically tonight for Brother Brian Lister, who is dealing with sickness and illness in his body. Lord, we know you to be a healer. We know you to be a deliverer. We, you said that by your stripes, we are healed. We know by the experience of the lepers, of those that were blinded and made to see in the Bible, those that were lame and you let them walk. Father, you have healing power in your hand. And God, I pray and we know with confidence that there is nothing too hard for you. So, Father, I put his life in his body from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet in your hands. God, my prayer and my desire tonight is that you would turn it around in the name of Jesus. There are so many people that have survived what others have died in, but God let his story end in survival in the name of Jesus. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. We come against depression. We come against the fear. We come against the resolve to rest in the fact that this is the end result. And we connect in the spirit and believe God. We believe God. We believe that you can fix it, that you can turn it around, that you can regulate everything that's irregular, that you can put the body in proper alignment. That he will once again be able to serve you and serve you effectively with everything that you've given him. Thank you, God, in advance, because we are expecting a victory report in the name of Jesus. Father, tonight I come against mental illness. I come against emotional distress. I come against fear and depression and sadness. I come against anxiety and pressure that is too much for us to handle. God, lift the heavy burden tonight. God, I pray that you release a healing anointing. Oh, my God. Thank you. 
to flow through this microphone over the airways that whomever is dealing with issues and pains I feel in my spirit now somebody on this live is dealing with issues in their back their lower back specifically but God send healing now somebody is having issues in their legs tightening up on them when they get ready to walk and they can't move as fast as they want to they can't function the way the Lord told me in this prayer right now start moving those issues that have been hurting you have been harming you that have been hindering you I feel healing being released in the name of Jesus somebody can't sleep at night because you're stressed and worried about stuff that's too much for you to handle but the Lord told me while we're praying he said minister healing minister healing minister healing we speak healing to be dispatched now and it is so in the name of Jesus healing is being released right now you are getting ready to be released from apologies that you will never receive God is healing you from that last situation he's healing right now in the name of Jesus so father tonight we thank you for releasing your word we thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding for giving us the grace to accept what you allow it is in Jesus name we pray amen thank you thank you so much for joining us and being with us for those that had an opportunity to come on but you came on late I want to thank you for participating I also want to thank you for having the opportunity to sow and partner with us I want to give you those options again Again, for those that came on late, I never do this. I never do this, but I believe and I felt pressed in my spirit to put an amount on the seed that I want you to sow tonight. And I asked about 10 of you uh, to sow with me a $100 seed if you can do that. And again, the ways to give, if you're giving via Givelify and Zelle, it's the Lighthouse Church Charlotte INC. And if you are giving via Cash App, it is dollar sign Lighthouse. CLT. Most of you that have already given and have been sowing consistently, you already have this in your phone. So I want to thank you. I believe that as you sow tonight, as you partner with us in ministry, as you partner with us financially, that the Lord is going to give back to you in good measure shaking together running over he said press down he's gonna cause men to give to you and i believe that in the name of jesus that whoever you saw i want to thank god we had some people that been that sold throughout the week they're not even sowing on the day that we are in worship they are just randomly sending seeds and we are so grateful for we never beg we never pride and we're not going to start now we're going to believe god that whatever we ask he says if you ask in my name, I'll give it. So tonight, in Jesus' name, I ask that we all will be obedient to the Spirit. If you feel led and you have it, to be able to do so and do that in Jesus' name.